Assalamu alaikum peace be with you you are listening to radio islam at wcv 1450 am in chicago illinois as well as www.radioislam.com throughout the world i'm your host malik mujahid and you know that radio islam is a live calling talk radio program airing every day 6 to 7 pm central and we reach the world by stream live at www.radioislam.com you can add to the conversation by calling 312263 islam that is 312263 islam tonight uh, we'll have uh, uh, you know two honorable guests uh, one from canada what in canada is called first nation and uh, a and a half Cherokee from the United States um, and both of them will be talking about native people especially their current struggle in uh, <coughs> trying to save their sacred space uh, as we are approaching uh, uh, Thanksgiving uh, which many of the American native people consider marking their genocide um, this was their country and uh, we know we uh, are blessed to have some of them to remind us that uh, but at this moment uh, there is struggling and their struggle is tremendous uh, just today uh, we heard um, <coughs> through multiple media interviews and what not that uh, they are uh, you know when they are demonstrating in the uh, for the uh, uh, standing with the standing rock uh, protest there is a great deal of attack on them and a uh, whole lot of people have been actually injured uh <clears throat> the Morton County Sheriff uh, has put them in great danger. Hundreds have been injured, including an, a native elder who went in cardiac arrest and several people are treated for rubber bullet injuries uh, to their face. And uh, police use projectiles that rip through people's muscle tissues. Uh, police fired uh, water cannons at the protectors for at least six hours constantly in a below freezing temperatures, exposing them to hypothermia. Medical professionals at the camp called for a session of this technique because of the real threat that people could die. Uh, and Martin County <coughs> law enforcement just kept um, throwing water at them including tear gas and firing occasional grenades and uh, concussion uh, grenades they are called and using sonic weapons against them. It's all inhuman and it compares very differently to when some white people who are armed to the teeth. Now these native people and their supporters have no arms. They're completely peaceful. The other party had arms They occupied government property and they were treated very differently and very respectfully. And uh, no tear gas, uh, no water bombs, and no concussion bombs, uh, none of that. And then they were tried and found um, innocent. 
as compared to what these people are saying. To discuss with us, as I mentioned, we will have a couple of guests, and one guest is uh, both of them. Actually, I have honor of working with them. Uh, one is Louis Cardinal. Uh, he used to be with me at the Parliament of the World Religion as vice chair. I think he still serves there as a as a trustee. He is a human rights and social advocacy uh, activist, uh, social advocate. He recently received uh, Canada's highest award called National Aboriginal Achievement Award for Public Service, as well as received, he has received Distingu Distinguished Alumni Award from Grant Mac Evans University, the Anti-Racism Award from Center for Race and Culture, and Alberta Centennial Medal for his work in human rights and diversity. Welcome to Radio Islam, Louis Cardinal. Well, thank you very much, Brother Malik. It's really good to hear your voice again. Well, it has been a while. It is uh, almost a well, exactly a little more than a year, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say so. But it's wonderful to be on your program again. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. So what are you hearing about uh, this struggle to preserve their water and sacred space? Well, as you know, and it goes back to your tenure as uh, the chair of the Parliament of World's Religions. When we had our gathering in Salt Lake City, we released a declaration from a declaration of actions from the um, uh, from the indigenous uh, peoples that had gathered in Salt Lake City last year. And one of our key key points in our declaration was the protection of sacred sites and the responsibility of that, but also. We had grave and great concerns about uh, about water, and these two issues are, are converging very much so in the um, uh, Standing Rock um, situation right now. So, uh, and incidentally, we had a number of people who participated with us at the Parliament in Salt Lake City are in are at the uh, the location now and are engaged in the uh, in the protection of the uh, the water and, and the land in that area. So we're getting some direct um, information from, from the center of that. Hmm. So some of those people who were there uh, one year ago in Salt Lake City Parliament of the World's Religions are actually engaged or they are visiting? Well, they're actually engaged. Uh, for example, um, Orville Looking Horse, who was one of our keynote speakers, both on the environmental um, plenary as well as the indigenous plenary had um uh, is very much involved in it we have robbie romero as well who was uh, in the uh, indigenous plenary as well as mary lyons and a number of other people who had uh, come to salt lake city are actually at the uh, location now doing the best they can to support the camp and the and the water protectors in, in, in their positions but not only that we're seeing uh, international indigenous uh, people coming to provide support for the uh, for the water protectors in um, at, at the camp as well, and you know they've had for a long time now um, a great concern about the agitation that has been uh, directed at them from the um, from the local police, the sheriff, and also the private security guards that had been hired by the. Uh, oil pipeline company that uh, is trying to run that line through that, that traditional territory. Also, that is, uh, it is not just the police, but they got uh, the corporation private detective involved in doing these things. So there may be 
Yeah, and 500 people have been arrested and all that. So, so this uh, probably invokes the worst possible memories, uh, historical memories that instead of a conversation, instead of a dialogue, instead of following proper process or thinking of what other alternates are available, uh, just we will do it uh, the way we want to do it and we don't care for what you say. That's the attitude. Well, that's right. And uh, President Obama had instructed the Army uh, engineers to uh, take a look at other routes that the uh, pipeline can, can follow. Uh, at least that, that's one thing that's being, being pursued. But from my understanding, and speaking with some of the people who are on the ground there, you know, the, the opportunity for real uh, thoughtful and um, uh, inclusive dialogues and consultations, that, that still needs to take place. That hasn't taken place. But one thing is, sh- is certain on their end of things is that the protection of that, of that river and the protection of those sacred sites are at the center of the discussion. They have, that has to be protected. Um, so the question then becomes, well, how do we get around those things and, and try to find resolution uh, for, the, um, for the pipeline company and or the, um, uh, the indigenous nations that are there? So what we're seeing, if you don't mind me adding, Please. is that we're we're not only seeing this confrontation between indigenous people, but I think what we're seeing from a, a wider context is our question as a society about um, energy production and the um, contribution it has to uh, pollution, to the destruction of the ozone, to the destruction of the water, the quality of water. And I think that there's a line that's being drawn, not just, with the indigenous people, but also with society. Because what we're seeing is we're seeing a tremendous amount of support coming from all walks of life, from all across America, from all around the world that are saying, you know, we have to rethink how we are producing energy and we have to think about future generations. So I think there's a a catalyst that's being played out at this moment. You're listening to Radio Islam at WCV 1450 AM as well as com. This is your host Malik Mujahid and I'm talking with Louis Cardinal who is a friend and a leader in the First Nation in Canada uh, talking with us about the uh, North Dakota uh, Standing Rock protest and police brutality. We'll be right back after these messages. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Welcome back to Radio Islam. You're listening to WCV 1450 AM as well as com. This is your host Malik Mujahid and I'm talking with Louis Cardinal who is a human rights activist of the First Nation in Canada, highly awarded as Aboriginal leader. 
Now, the uh, Army Corp of Engineers uh, were asked to survey and all that, and they simply neglected to talk to a standing rock soul. And as it was required uh, by, um, in, uh, by the U.S. law of the National Historic Preservation Act of Section 106, uh, for that reason, uh, EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, the U.S. Department of Interior, and American Council on Historic Preservation, all of them criticized the assessment. But somehow the company, Texas-based oil company, Energy Transfer, they manipulated everything, and they were allowed to go ahead. Tell me what, uh, uh, what First Nation people in Canada are doing in support of Standing Rock so. Well, I'm seeing a lot of my friends and my very own relatives from northern Alberta making the journey to Standing Rock to stand with the uh, water protectors that are there. And uh, I'm also seeing that happen from indigenous people all over North America. They're making their way to Standing Rock to be with them. And they've been doing that since uh, since the spring of this year. Um so, but what we're trying to do up here in Canada is encourage our governments to to make a statement of some sort to support the positions of there. But it's always a, a, a very complicated and politically touchy issue to make commentary on another nation's uh, interior struggles. So it's it's kind of delicate in terms of how we can get support. However. With the government um, uh, statements aside, there's a lot of uh, on-the-ground uh, community-based actions to raise awareness to uh, Canadians about the issue in the United States and supporting um, the many different networks of social activists that are banding together to support uh, the water protectors there. So there's a great concern because... The pipeline that they're talking about going through there is connected to uh, Canadian oil as well. So it starts out here. It also makes its way down through the United States. So we do have uh, those concerns. And, and, of course, it's the movement of oil, and we know that the pipelines aren't the safest way of, of, of bringing oil. It might be the fastest and most economic, but it doesn't make it the safest because once the ground is saturated with that kind of oil, it becomes, um, it becomes a dead zone. So we have yeah, great we have concerns on this whenever, side yeah, of, the, of it. Yeah. We have seen it whenever in, on the sea a, a ship or a tanker or a refinery breaks down, how much devastation mm-hmm. to life it takes place. And that's on the sea and on the earth the same way. So, yeah, it is in that way connected. Uh, do you see, uh, Louis Cardinal, have you seen such a large uh, mobilization and a focus on concern of Native uh, people in last 10, 15, 20 years? Or do, do you say not, this not, is the largest n- one? Yeah, not in my lifetime. And uh, my family and, uh, and myself have been involved in... Uh, a lot of uh, the indigenous movement issues up here in Canada, also in relationship to the United States. So, uh, no, I think this is the uh, the greatest uh, gathering of indigenous nations around one particular issue that we've seen uh, in this century for sure, and certainly um, a large part of the last century as well. Hmm. 
So yeah. this is, and I think uh, a lot of it also has to do with uh, the well, the advent of the internet and social media has really played a large part in in garnering that kind of support as well. Well, that is good uh, that finally uh, those issues are coming uh, out. And, uh, you know, in Chicago, there was a demonstration uh, last week, and I also participated in there. Um, uh, there must be five, six hundred people who march yes. in a cold day. And uh, uh, they, there were probably some native people, but mostly other people were standing up. There were about... Uh, I would say very easily 20, 30 Muslims who were marching, although they have uh, have found out just a day before, and I sent out an email on a working day, people came out. So so do you think uh, there are thoughts and plans in place uh, to build on this movement to bring overall focus on what are the overall top five challenges Native people face in North America? Yes. I, I, it certainly does uh, underscore, underline, and highlight the issues of indigenous rights, the treaty rights of indigenous people in, in North America. And as we know, you know, the, the, the history of, of treaty rights is uh, they've, they've been violated since they were, they were started, but they are legal rights that still have legal bearing within the, uh, the legal system. So that underscores that. The second thing that it does is that it recognizes um, the uh, political voice that indigenous people do have now in terms of protecting those, those, those rights. And um, it's also recognizing that indigenous people have to be consulted with and, um, and uh, worked with on, on issues of development as well. Uh, and, and that doesn't bring a lot of comfort to, to uh, major corporations that are used to having you know, a fairly free hand at, uh, at uh, natural resource development. Uh, but, but one thing I want to, I want to, want to say is that this, this action that's happening in, in Standing Rock isn't just about indigenous people. When we look at it again, it's about all of us. Uh, there's a finite resource on, on water that we have to take care of, that we have to protect for everyone who's involved. And we also uh, are, are facing the, the demands by a growing part of our population to uh, look at other ways of developing energy for our consumption. So this, you know, there's an intersectionality involved here. There's an indigenous right, the concern for the environment, and at the same time, uh, uh, in America, there is a whole lot of people are saying, make America white again, and yeah. claiming a land which was stolen for somebody else. Uh, so <laughs> there is a great irony which is taking place right now. Well, we're, we're quite concerned about what happened in the United States on, on your election, and I do send uh, my regard <laughs> to <laughs> everyone in the United States, but... Uh, it also has a direct effect on what's happening up here. The emboldenedness of, uh, of racial uh, epithets has grown uh, within our own country as well. But I think when I look at it, it's, it's a reaction to the sense of a of, of loss of, of power by um, um, by the white part of the society. And so we're seeing a, a backlash of that happening now. Uh, because it's inevitable here in Canada by 2032, the majority of the population will be people of color. So the power power is shifting, and that raises a lot of concern for people. By 2030, you said? 
2032. Oh, that is uh, exactly 11 years before the United States uh, Census yeah. Department says going to take that turn. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, hmm. 16 years away. Wow. Uh, well, thank you so much, Louis Gardner, for being with us. Uh, you know, I wish uh, we had more time. But before I let you go, at least say what what, what are the two, three top uh, issues which are common between the struggle of Native Americans? And that with uh, Canadian uh, First Nations? Yeah, Canadian people. First Nations. Again, it is, we have a very great concern for the environment, a clean air, a clean land uh, for future generations. That's always a very, very important part of it. The other important part of it that is connected to that directly is the protection, the protection of our sacred sites and our ceremonies. And the third thing that binds us all together is, is our treaty rights and our inherent rights as indigenous people to protect our traditional territories. Uh, so those three things are really what makes a lot of things um, similar between uh, First Nations and uh, and the uh, American Indian uh, reservations. Well, thank you so much, my friend, Louis Cardinal, and uh, I hope that uh, what people uh, who has started in North Dakota uh, continuously uh, builds a movement. Uh, they are successful there, but their success yield to a greater movement in realization of the right, treaty rights of Native people um, uh, and uh, we are uh, all uh, in, in, in support uh, and with prayers and anything we could do. Muslim community has sent so far $15,000 to my knowledge. But if yeah. some people who are involved and engaged there, they realize certain needs are not met, I'm pretty sure there will be other people who are willing to donate and come forward. We have issued an interfaith statement. We have also issued a statement of Muslim clergy in support. So we stand yeah. with you in solidarity. And thank you so much. And, uh, and say my regards to, you well. to your uh, uh, friends uh, and relatives who have gone to show or demonstrate their solidarity uh, with people who are trying to protect water and sacred land. Thank you so much, well. Louis Cardinal. Thank you very much. Blessings and peace to you. Peace. You have been listening to Radio Islam at WCV 1450 AM as well as com. This is your host Malik Muchahid and we're talking about native people at the eve of uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, it was their land and other people are claiming and fighting over it and they are being facing brutal attack from the local police as well as the private uh, security of the pipeline and as we come back after these messages we'll be talking with Imam Khalid Griggs who is half Cherokee half African American and he has been there he came back after a trip we'll be right back after these messages Radio Islam it's time to reach the world advertising on Radio Islam every day is like speaking to a packed house at Soldier Field Stadium Imagine your reach. With our affordable rates, you'll be wondering why you hadn't signed on before. But that's okay. Better now than never. Send your email to advertising at radioislam.com.
welcome back to Radio Islam. You're listening to WCV 1450 AM as well as www.radioislam.com. This is your host Malik Mujahid and I'm going to be talking now on the same issue uh, on which we have been speaking before um, uh, that attacks, uh, I mean the uh, protectors of sacred land and water in uh, North Dakota, the Standing Rock, so as well as, uh, uh, you know, the the challenges what Native Americans are facing and their growing movement. You heard from the last guest that he has not seen in his lifetime a movement of Native people which has brought so many people together. So it is important to keep supporting and keep standing up in solidarity with the Standing Rock. Uh, so, and a person who has actually done it himself is half African-American and half Cherokee and full Imam, Imam Khalid Abdul Fattah Griggs. Khalid Griggs is an Imam of the Community Mosque of Winston-Salem, North Carolina and the Associate Chaplain of Muslim Life at Wake Forest University. He is on the Board of Directors of Institute of Dismantling Racism member of the Board of Guidance of Interfaith Winston-Salem and a founding member of Muslim for Social Justice. He is an anti-racism, human rights and prison reform activist. Imam Khalid participated in recent clergy for Standing Rock support rally in Standing Rock, North Dakota Sioux Reservation. Welcome to Radio Islam and Assalamu Alaikum, Brother Khalid Griggs. Wa Alaikum Salam, Brother Mujahid. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, <coughs> Tell us, uh, when were you there uh, with the Standing Rock? You know, I know that this is a very embarrassing for me response, but it was a few weeks ago. I think it was uh, it was on a Thursday in October where there was a national call for clergy to come to Standing Rock um, for a rally and support demonstration for those water protectors uh, in the camp there, Standing Rock. So I was up there a few weeks ago for that. Uh, the call was to try to get at least 100 clergy from different faiths to show, but there were close to 500, there were actually close to 550 wow. uh, different representatives from various faiths at this demonstration. So that was extraordinary. Yes, it was extremely extraordinary. And what touched me so much, Brother Mujahid, was not only the number of people that showed out, uh, showed up for the, uh, the support rally, but what was so extraordinary was the receptivity that the indigenous people had for anyone they saw. They were just so happy that because the mainstream media has, for the most part, been ignoring what's been going on since August. Uh, with the d- daily demonstrations and the actual camp that's there, they were so glad that finally there were people from the outside who were showing their interest uh, in that situation. Individuals have visited the camp there. They've participated in a number of different uh, actions there. But this was the first time that so many had come at one time, and it was really special to them that uh, those coming were representatives of various faith traditions, including uh, the Native American traditions. So, 
had, uh, you know, would you agree, uh, well, before that, in that delegation, uh, were there some other Muslims other than yourself? Yes, there were other Muslims. Um, there were representatives there from coalition of indigenous Muslims. Um, there w were folks there from Muslims uh, for Ferguson. Um, I saw a van. I never did meet the people who were, not a van, but an RV. I never did meet them, uh, but it had on the side of it uh, Muslims for Standing Rock. And every time I went there uh, throughout the days that I was there, I never saw anyone in the area, but uh, I do know that they were there as well. I would have liked to have seen uh, many more Muslims there, um, but this was an, a very good start. Tell me this. Uh, I mean, you being half Cherokee and knowing the heritage and, and all of that, uh, do you agree with the statement uh, which our guest made uh, that in his lifetime he has not seen uh, so much focus, uh, support, as well as so much mobilization for any cause of Native American in this country? I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, back during the 1970s, uh, I was kind of peripherally involved with the American Indian movement because at the time I was more involved with more of the black power struggle. Uh, but there were huge demonstrations during the 1970s uh, for the American Indian Movement. And, of course, in 73, they had the, uh, the demonstration at Wounded Knee in South Dakota. And um, uh, Leonard Peltier was falsely accused of killing uh, federal government agents. And he's one of the longest-standing political prisoners. He's, he's a Sioux. Um, to, to, uh, until this day. And so there have been a number of demonstrations in Washington on some of the reservations across the country. But Brother Majahid, I have never seen and never heard of a demonstration that would bring so many representatives from indigenous tribes throughout the Western Hemisphere. Uh, I heard different estimates uh, from the the, uh, the Native American brothers there. Some were saying that they were close to maybe 500 different tribes. Others were saying it was more in the range of 350 to 400. But regardless of the precise number, uh, I don't think we could document anywhere where this many different representatives came together in the United States from so many different um tribal groupings and, and indigenous nations in South America and Central America. So it's, it's just been a wonderful um, experience, and it's something that's very uh, inspirational uh, to those who, uh, who are actually living uh, under these, this, this perpetual almost siege uh, that indigenous people have been on under since Columbus arrived in this, this hemisphere. You're listening to Radio Islam at WCV 1450 AM as well as www.radioislam.com 
Uh, this is your host Malik Mujahid and I'm talking with Imam Khalid Griggs about the Standing Rock Zoo and their protest and the, the historic importance and the great mobilization of this century and uh, as a matter of fact people are saying in their lifetime and we'll continue our conversation after these messages. Radio Islam You're not a Facebook fan of Radio Islam? It's not too late. Our doors are always open at facebook.com slash radio Islam 1450. We are always a part of the family. Welcome back to Radio Islam. You're listening to WCV 1450 AM as well as, w, as, well as www.radioislam.com. This is your host Malik Mujahid and I'm talking with Imam Khalid Griggs who have visited Standing Rock uh, so protest uh, in solidarity and he says that it is historic. Uh, there has been nothing like that in last in our lifetime and uh, thanks to social media and uh, greater awareness of native american rights being violated left and right more people are standing up and i saw a quote uh, and the quote is from faith spotted eagle that uh, 100 years from now they are going to hear those songs they are going to hear that memory of what happened here at this camp it is very historic i think chicago i have been part of chicago life for 36 years or so i have never seen so many people gathering in support of native americans and marching for a couple of hours in a freezing weather and that included among them were some very young children and i walked with them as a teacher uh, which has uh, uh, muslim hijab uh, scarf on her and children were probably not muslim from public school and she is teaching a class as though as those first and second grader walking why water and oil doesn't mix who are native people and what not so this is already historic uh, and you said uh, imam khalid greggs that you saw there Uh, among the many people there were a group of native uh, council of native muslim i mean i am not aware of that what is that yeah it's it's called the coalition of indigenous muslims and to be quite honest uh, before going to standing rock i was not aware of their existence as well uh so i don't want to um give out bad information about how long they have been in existence they uh, i would almost assume that they have been around you know maybe the last couple of years or more but it's been this particular event that has helped to galvanize their efforts and uh draw people more people into the work that they're doing and become a kind of rallying point for uh indigenous muslims because uh indigenous muslims native american muslims are have a very long historical record is is muslims who uh i mean uh, uh native american people who embraced islam uh goes back so many centuries and even would i would think that 
with the research that has come out now even pre predated the formation of the United States itself. Uh, so we're talking about uh, for uh, the kind of uh, coming together of enslaved Africans who were Muslims and finding refuge, uh, particularly on the in the in the mid-Atlantic and in the South, going all the way down to Florida, with indigenous tribes, and this whole idea of the intersectionality of struggles is very clear in the history of African uh, people in this country and uh, Native Americans in this country in the way that uh, uh, many of these, these indigenous tribes uh, were safe havens and safe spaces for escaped African Muslims who, and, and others who were not Muslims, but for escaped African Muslims. And we find that the influence through intermarriage and uh, all of these things is, is very clear in the history of indigenous people. So whereas we usually think about uh, indigenous Native Americans being part of a new, uh, we hear about Native American Muslims and we, oh, wow, that's really something. I'm so glad they are accepting Islam. Well, in fact, many of them have historical roots and links to linkages to Islam that go back centuries in, in this part of the world. So this particular group, <clears throat> I would dare say that it probably hasn't been around for a long time, but this, um, a lot has really brought some activist forces together in this Standing Rock dem demonstration and, and, and demonstration of support uh, for the indigenous people there. You have your climate uh, environmental folks, advocates, and, and protectors. You know, you have uh, just basic human rights. You have the Native American, American Indian movement. It just is a perfect uh, place. Uh, it's been like, you know, if we talk about a perfect storm, but in a good sense, that uh, contains so many of the elements that need to come together uh, in coalition to help address these issues that we're confronted with today, and even more so since after 11-9. So, um, so Standing Rock is important uh, for all of us. It's important not just for indigenous people, but it's important for all of us. Now, the people who are, you were there for a day, right? You didn't stay there. I was there, there for about three and a half days. Oh, three and a half days. So how yes. people who are staying there, I mean, the area is not designed to have so many people uh, living comfortably there, so they are camping and whatnot. What, what are people doing, doing there to survive? Yeah, it's a very, um, I mean, it takes courage and commitment for those who are camping there uh, to, like they have, they've made a commitment that they are going to stay in that camp day and night uh, until there's some successful resolution of this issue. And just for your listening audience, the North 
the colder temperatures, you know, even though uh, they said like so many areas in, in the, the north and even into Canada, they haven't experienced what they usually experience by way of, of blizzards and really sub-freezing weather, but still the temperature will get, as they're saying, in the winter, uh, it will get down to 30 degrees below zero. Wow. And this is without Fahrenheit, without wind chill. And this, the winds there in an area where winds are just so brutal, the winds will just whip at 70, 75 miles an hour. So right now <clears throat> they are living in these and will, it looks like they will continue to be, in very temporary structures, in, in, in uh, teepees, they're living in tents. And during the warmer weather, some were just kind of comfortably, if you could call it comfortably, just sleeping, you know, basically on something resembling a sleeping bag or something. But now the, the cold weather has really set in, and it's, it's going to be very, very challenging just to to remain in that open-air camp like that with um, just with the, the elements uh, beating them. And, and then to put on top of that um, the water protectors who um, just go to where basically the front line is, is drawn. It's on a couple, of different, a couple of different areas. Let me give you one example here. Like <clears throat> what I... What was explained to me and others when we were there was that we saw these military vehicles, these big trucks that were blocking Highway 1806 there right outside um, on the reservation. And what was said was that the trucks had been set on fire by some of the younger um, uh, Sioux, and, you know, they they were rightfully referred to as young warriors. And so these young warriors had set these two military vehicles on fire, but the state police that represented five or six different police departments, uh, sheriff's officers and they, from five different states, you had these, these militarized uh, deputy sheriffs and policemen on top of the paid goons. And up in that area, you have a lot of uh, militia, and I'm gonna tell you, brother Majahed, you know I grew up here in in the South in North Carolina, and under like apartheid times. But those are some scary dudes. I mean, they really are, and and some of them were actually engaged in um, helping to so-called keep the Native Americans in line with the beatings and uh, the tear gas and so-called rubber bullets, and they got these things. Um, they are uh, they're called uh, LRAD, the long-range acoustic devices. And so they shoot these things, and it, it almost, uh, from what they said, it, you know, because I wasn't there to hear one, and then fire it while we were there, but it could, it's almost like it's going to burst your eardrum. The sounds are so bad, and um, I mean, I saw the drones flying over the surveillance drones flying over the camp. But a scary thing about that, 
the potential is that North, North Dakota is the only state in the United States that has it legal for armed drones to be used by police in North Dakota. So this means that these surveillance drones that are constantly buzzing over the camp can be at, at the governor's, um, this uh, dear, dear Michael or something like this, at this governor's order can be, you know, they could just use predator drones and just start shooting people in the camps, um, you know, as a possible scenario. So it's a very, um, I mean, it, it takes, I, I really admire the water protectors there, and I admire those who are standing with these water protectors, knowing uh, and seeing and smelling the tear gas, um, you know, just knowing what the possible negative outcomes can, can be just from peacefully standing in protest against some, this idiotic pipeline that, um, and I don't know, I, I didn't hear your, your, your previous guess, but this pipeline was initially uh, by Army Corps of Engineers laid out <clears throat> to pass by Bismarck, North Dakota, which is an overwhelmingly white-populated city. And so the people there said, no, you're not putting that stuff here. So the Army Corps of Engineers said, okay, you know, no problem. And they just rerouted it in a way that is just digging up and the EPA as well as Ministry of Interior, all of yeah. them have told that, uh, you know, Army Engineering Corps hasn't done its job right, but, right. but they just manipulated. And uh, still, still they don't have a permit to no. dig through the uh, river. And I think uh, as uh, uh, momentum is uh, building, mm -hmm. Uh, I think uh, probably the most important thing people, our listeners can do is to support them to have maybe some some warming buses or something because yeah. how are they going to survive the winter? Yeah, it's, 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 it's horrible, Brother Majahid. Since I've been back to North Carolina, you know, in addition to participating in our local uh, support rallies for, for Standing Rock, you know, I really have just been trying to uh, encourage, like you're encouraging, we, we have to do what we can. If it, it's just a small thing. I mean, if all we have are just some blankets, um, you know, we need to do that. They really need... Have you done a need assessment? Do they really need blankets? I mean, yes, people they, will be... they need any and everything that could keep warm. Uh, they need, uh, and this sounds like a, a strange request, but I'm, but I'm getting this from uh, those who are in charge of the camp. I'm getting it from a very uh, 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 critical brother for support for the Muslim community, uh, Brother Bashir Wapata, who is the only um, known uh, Cheyenne River Sioux um, in his whole tribe. And, you know, this is just right across the Cheyenne River from Standing Rock, and he's there almost every day. I talked to him right before I came on the line uh, tonight. 
And so, um, I mean, these these brothers are saying that these earplugs are needed because oh. of these, you know, this these uh, weapons that are being used, these sound devices that are being used. Uh, so folks need to. So is there a, is it do they have any website or any any which people yes, Yeah let me um let me try to pull Yes please because we just got a one minute before we uh, close the show so it is yeah. important to know that uh, earplugs man uh, so so they need earplugs they need they need, uh, they need gloves they gloves. need uh, blankets um you know what blankets in in a weather like that if they are in elements under minus 30 yeah, uh, but, blankets but, and these things not going to do much yeah but you have to keep layering and layering i mm. mean you have a blanket and another blanket and another blanket mm. it's, it's it's really really bad uh, brother Khaled, so, we got to go right now okay, but what okay. we're going to do is uh is stay online we're going to get okay. this information from you okay. and we'll put up on the website of what people can do and things of this nature thank you so much okay. imam khalid thanks for being with us all right thank before you, so you go you need to know radio islam is now hiring interns whether you have experience or looking for experience just send an email to producer at radioislam.com. That is producer at radioislam.com. You have been listening to Radio Islam, a call-in talk show from 6 to 7 p.m., seven days a week on WCV 1450 a.m. Um, our producer today is Olivia Richardson. As Wahaj Khan and Baba Marek, he continue to experiment with streaming live on uh, on television as well. Our engineer is Gus Rice and thank you Gus. Radio Islam is a Sound Vision Foundation production. The views are expressed are the views of the host and the guest not of the Sound Vision Foundation. I'm your host Malik Mujahid and see us tomorrow evening again right here at WCV 1450am as well as www.radioislam.com Peace, love. Thank you.